0: Welcome to another episode of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, your home for the latest news and analysis from the world of college hoops. Back again are your hosts, Josh Burton, Phil Dexter, and Peyton Burton. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode 126. I'm, of course, your host, Josh Burton. Joining me today is one of my teammates. Mr. Peyton Burton. Peyton, I know you got a headache today, but how are we doing other than that?
1: Fuck this headache, I don't give a shit. It was a big day for me yesterday, and where, oh, where is Cory Gardner at? Once again, his IU yeah. Hoosiers take a big loss, get the ass whoop again, and he is nowhere to be found. I'ma send out a fucking little police report trying to find his ass, so maybe he'll be on next week's. But who knows? I'm happy. I do got a slight headache though. I'm a little bit pissed off watching this stupid ass fucking World Cup final game here. Uh, it's at halftime. Argentina's up two 0 Fucking shouldn't be, but that's no here, no there. Um, but other than that, I'm doing good. Should be Josh, up how you 1-0. doing?
0: At least, yeah, I'm doing all right. They should at least have one nil because that was a thing of beauty. We were talking about off air. Um, Also, uh, conspicuous by his absence is Phil Dexter. He is under the weather as well. So we will have Phil back next week for episode 127. It's that time of year. Um, Also, be remiss if I didn't mention this podcast is presented by House Enterprises in part with House of College Hoops. Head over to our our site, house-enterprise.com, for more information. Um, Peyton, this last week was a massive week, especially yesterday. We hyped it up as probably the biggest week of college basketball we might have all year. Should I say biggest day of college basketball we might see all year. Crazy games I cannot wait to get into, but also we a got to shout out our title sponsor for ECB this year, Beauty to Beast Nutrition, located in downtown Edinburgh, Indiana. It's a healthy juice bar. You stop in, tell them ECB sent you, you'll get 10% off your entire purchase. We're happy to have uh, Beauty to Beast Nutrition on board for everything college basketball this year. we got our friend Connor McCabe in the live chat here. As always, we're on the Twitter, the YouTube, and on this episode, we have been on the Facebook, I do believe. So if you're following along live with us, stop in, say hey, follow along with the show, and we'll get your comments posted. Uh, Peyton, before we get into the games from yesterday, the one piece of news I do want to talk about to go along with the NCAA hypocrisy, actually it's two pieces of news, we'll wrap up in one. One, there is a new president coming in, in January, or March of this year after the college basketball season, we will finally have a new president. Mark Emmert's tenure is over. The former governor of Massachusetts is coming in to replace him. Uh, he's a former politician, so I don't know how to feel about this. Uh, any thoughts on a new, new president of the NCAA? Do you think he's going to... Because he is a former politician, he's going to be better or worse? Or, I mean, can you really get worse than Mark Emmerich? That's
1: what I was going to say. I don't know how it gets any worse than fucking Mark Emmerich. Thank God he's going to be... This is going to be his final year doing this shit because he's done some dumbass shit here in the past. Hell, even last year when Kansas won the title, he called them the Kansas City Jayhawks. I mean, that alone, he should get you fucking out of here immediately. So you
0: got to know your own programs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean... It, that, that'd be like
0: the head of FIFA, which he's a dumbass too and corrupt as shit, but that'd be like him not knowing who Lionel Messi is. Yeah. One of your, arguably your biggest star in the game, not knowing who he is. Lionel Mechie or something. You know what about I'm saying? about
1: Cristiano like, Ronaldo?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Cr- Chrissy Ronaldo. I mean, it, it's crazy though. Um, so, so I guess we're going to have to see what this new tenure brings. He won't be inaugurated until March of 2023. Let's pray it is more common sense. That's all we ask for. More common sense, more coherent rulings that make sense across the board. Speaking of... Just be consistent. Well, speaking of consistency, this is a great transition. Jose Perez, if you guys remember the story we talked about, the Manhattan guard, one of the best players, maybe arguably the best player on a Manhattan team that preseason we had predicted to win their conference, to be an NCAA tournament team, Then Steve Massiello gets fired like eight days before the start of the season. And their best player, Jose Perez, says, fuck it, I'm out of here. Well, he transfers to West Virginia. And this whole time for the last month has been waiting to see when he will be eligible. Well, he's not going to be eligible because the NCAA has ruled against him playing this year. Um, Apparently, people in the Massachusetts, or not Massachusetts, I'm sorry, the Manhattan program has denied his waiver of eligibility request. And then the NCAA has NCAA won along with it, so no Jose Perez playing this year in college basketball. It's absolute
1: bullshit. That's fucking ridiculous. They denied his waiver? Yeah. Fuck Manhattan. That's ridiculous. Re- First you fire his coach. First of all, if you would have kept his damn coach, he would have never left. And um, they would have nope. probably won their fucking league. This season. Uh, At least they were definitely the favorites to win their league this season. But you fire his coach. So, what else is he going to do? He's not just going to stick around and say, fuck it, I'm going to stick around and hopefully things get better. No, he's going to go and fucking try to play at a high major, which he was. What he committed to? West Virginia? West Virginia, Uh, yeah. He's going to go play for West Virginia and you deny his fucking waiver and the NCAA goes along with it. It's complete bullshit. And it goes along with. There's a rumor out there that Fardaz, Amok mark from Texas Tech, was in the transfer portal. And apparently, if he would have transferred to a different school, he would have got immediate eligibility to play. And, and, and that's, that's ridiculous. And that's
0: all based around, from what I hear, the NIL situation, which apparently got sorted out at Texas Tech on payments. I mean, we're going down this dark path. And we talked about it last week with Scotty Davenport of Bellerman And what a great episode that was, by the Go way. Go check
1: it out. Uh,
0: tremendous. 35 minutes worth of goodness there. But... We have some comments rolling in here. Whoever is on the Facebook, we can't see it coming through, so if you do the sign-up, but whoever it is says, what a bunch of fucking crooks. Connor says, if I was him, I would just say see and declare for the NBA draft. Well, the problem is Jose Perez probably isn't an NBA player, at least not draftable. He might be one of those guys that you put in the G League, give a chance, and could develop because he's a smaller guard. But, yeah, if I was him, it all depends on what he wants, right? Does he want to try to play another year of college basketball? Does he want to try to turn pro? But regardless, Manhattan, their administration currently, their new athletic director did the Steve Masello firing, can get fucked. The NCAA that upheld this ruling can get fucked. And Jose Perez is the one that ultimately gets fucked in this deal because that is some bullshit.
1: Yeah, well, he's losing out on a chance and playing in probably, in my opinion, the best conference college basketball. It doesn't matter if West Virginia is going to be good or not, if West Virginia gets to the fucking tournament, because he's getting exposure in the Big 12 that if he goes to a different school, if he stays at Manhattan, he's never going to get. And fuck going to the NBA draft. Like I, like you said, he's not really that caliber of player to get drafted um, and play on the NBA team. And I don't even know if he's even really good enough to play in the G League. He might. But the thing is, if he plays well in the Big 12, he can get noticed and get Fucking exposure and go overseas and have a good career. So he's losing on that opportunity, and I agree. And it's complete bullshit. And the guy who posted the, well, the Facebook user is Block Stalky. Um, so God. shout out to him because I agree with him 100%. Well, he, he, it's he, absolute he ag- bullshit.
0: Well, he agrees with you back because he said exactly what my thoughts, Peyton. Well said. But moving on from the hypocrisy of the NCAA, because we could do, and we have before, we could do a two hour sermon on the hypocrisy of the NCAA. Let's move on to a happier topics because yesterday's slate of games well, hold on. was
1: go ahead. Before that, there's another piece of news that we didn't talk about: um, the whole Arizona IAP situation. Okay, go ahead. Um, Arizona: the penalties got handed out uh, the 14th of December. Um, it's a five thousand dollar fine, reduction in scholarships for the 2023-2024 season by one, a seven week recruiting, a seven week recruiting communication ban for the 2022-2023 academic year. Uh, this comes in, in addition to what the program self post, which included a postseason ban. So, and, and Sean, Sean Miller got yeah Sean Miller got left I mean he didn't get anything which um I mean people's going to have a disagreement about that and they're going to think he should got something but if you're going to be consistent if you're not going to give Rick Pitino anything then I don't think you should give Sean Miller anything either I, so I'm, I'm fine with, with
0: it. Yeah, I'm with you. Like if you're going to let Louisville escape and Rick Pitino, you got to let Sean Miller and Arizona escape. I mean again it's kind of like the Louisville deal $5,000 it's changed to a university like that so Yeah. Good on them, finally. But uh, let's move on to happier topics, because I mentioned it. Yesterday, Saturday, December 17th, was a loaded slate of college basketball games, Peyton. We could literally start anywhere, but let's start with the ECB Weekly pick on Game of the Week yesterday, or Game of the Day, should I say. Number three, Virginia, loses at home to number four, Houston. Keep in mind, again, these are ECB rankings, because we're using our own top 25 poll for these rankings. But... Houston goes into Virginia and wins 69-61. I know Phil and I went across the board, picked Houston. I think you went Virginia in this game, didn't you?
1: Yes, I did.
0: Houston, man, they just do – it's like we talked about last week. Houston and Virginia are kind of the same team where they both rely their hat on the defensive end of the floor, but Houston has the better players across the board. So when you have comparable teams that play the same style – you go with the team that has the best players, and Houston had it. DeRace Walker, the freshman, 6'8 freshman, wins Ken Palm MVP. He has 17 points, uh, seven rebounds, four assists in this ball game. It was close throughout. Houston was able to gap it late. They got up as much as 65-54, but it was a tight affair along the way. Virginia jumped out to a 9-0 lead in this game. Peyton, thoughts on Houston going into Virginia to have one of the best wins of the college basketball season through the first month?
1: I think this is a game that Houston needed to win. I think I maybe mentioned it last week when we were previewing this game. Uh, Houston had to win this game for their confidence um, before they head into AEC play here in a couple weeks. Um, so they needed this game a lot more than Virginia did, and they went out and got it. Like you said, Virginia started off the game hot. Um, they got up to an early lead, and normally when Virginia is up like that, it, they normally don't lose that lead very often, but this is one of the games where they did. You're missing Jairus Walker. He, he definitely played his ass off. Probably the, I probably would say the best player on the floor. Marcus Sasser he played 39 minutes. If you, look at score, if you look at his uh, stat line, he had 13 points, but he did not have an efficient night at all. Four of 14 from the field, three of 10 from the three-point line, um, two of three from the uh, free throw line, but he did have three steals. So he was, If when he wasn't efficient on the offensive side, he was at least doing his thing on the defensive side well, well. you
0: want to know a mark of a good team or even a great team. Is your best player, maybe he doesn't play up to his standards, but you put your top five guys in double digits. Sasser, 13, Walker, 17, Tremont Mark, 13, Jamal Sheed, 11, and Jawan Roberts, 10. Then they got five points combined off of the bench. I mean, that starting five for Houston can match up with anybody in the country. On the Virginia side, Reese Speakman was questionable coming into this game. Did play 34 minutes. Four points, three rebounds, five assists, three turnovers. He had four fouls. Um, He looked like a kid who was trying to fight back from some kind of injury. He did not look like himself. Kia Clark only nine points in this game. He did have eight assists. So he was fairly efficient and just not scoring the basketball. Virginia was led by Caden Shedrick, 16 points. Peyton, I know you love this kid. Him and Jaden Gardner. I know you love these two from Virginia.
1: Yeah, I mean, those two are the really only guys that really played well. I mean, Armand Franklin had played 24 minutes at 10.6 boards, so he played pretty decently, but it was really Shedrick and Gardner that really was helping them out offensively score. Um, very disappointed in Ben plus coming off the bench. He played 17 minutes, zero points, zero rebounds, one assist, 0-7 from the field, 0-6 from the three-point line. And this kid's been playing well. He played well in the main event tournament against uh, the first game against Baylor and the second game against Illinois in the title game. Um, not sure what happened in this game. I think it's a lot to say about uh, Houston's defense keeping him uh, keeping him from going off or hitting shots. Uh, so credit to Houston, but I still think Virginia's Final Four good. I don't know if they're going to win the national championship. I don't think you can say that they're not a favorite to get to the Final Four. Um, just coming off this one loss, because this was their first loss of the season. Um, it's a really good, another Final Four caliber team in Houston. So, uh, But we all thought about it. I mean, you guys both said that Houston was going to win this game, but I said that Virginia was going to win this game. But one thing we were right about, it doesn't matter who wins, it's going to be in the low 70s. And it was a low-scoring game, and it definitely was.
0: Yeah, and I don't think Virginia, when the ECB Top 25 comes out tomorrow and the pollsters put their their lineups together, I don't think Virginia falls far. Maybe one or two spots. I I would not be surprised if they don't stay inside the Top 5, because honestly, they should. They lose to Houston. I know it's at home. But like you mentioned, both teams look like teams that can make deep runs to Final Fours with the way they play defense. You want to see more out of the Virginia's offense because we've seen it with Houston. I know they're defensive minded, but when they want to go and they get guys like Sheed and Tremont Mark and Marcus Sasser going, they can put 100 on you and hold yeah. you to 50. Virginia's struggles to score the basketball at times. You mentioned a came in, expected to be kind of like their Drew Timmy in a way. Not kind of, at least not in this game, definitely didn't do that. But both teams are final four good. Great game in college basketball yesterday. Peyton, let's move on to an early tip game yesterday. This is one that had the fever waiting of a big portion of our fan base, the Hoosier Nation, and they went to Allen Fieldhouse. And I'll be the first to admit, because we had that fun back and forth last week. I said it would not surprise me if Kansas wins this game and wins big, but I went with Indiana. What I did not account for is Indiana just flat out did not show up. They did not show up whatsoever, never led. Kansas led from bell to bell, from tip to tip, from whistle to whistle, all 40 minutes, Jayhawks, domination. And what the big storyline coming out of this game to me was, the way Kansas locked in defensively, not so much their offense, because they ran beautiful offense, but their defensive identity, they proved yesterday they are a team that can go back to back and win another national title.
1: Yep. Yep. I'm glad you mentioned it because they're national title contenders. Um, they're contenders and IU's pretenders. Uh, I'm just keeping it real. I don't think IU's overrated, but I do think IU can beat. I think IU can beat good teams inside top 25, I don't think they can beat great teams in yeah, the top 10. To it. There's, there's levels to levels to this shit, and they're just not there. And I said on the podcast last week, and I can go back and forth, um, which we did last week, and I can go through a whole list of things hey, I I'm said. i
0: know I just started minute. I know, I know.
1: I ain't saying that. I can go through a list of things I said last week, and all of them pretty much came true. I said Jalen Hood and Shofino would not be the difference maker in this game. doesn't matter if he fucking plays or not. He was not. He wasn't even pretty much on the court, it feels like. Uh, he played 30 tri- minutes. He played 30 minutes, but he didn't really have the best of games. Um, how many points? He had 11.6 rebounds, mean, four assists, but he's 2.11 from the field. I mean, come on. Most of those points came from free throws. You, you
0: know what, though? He was tied for Indiana's second-leading scorer in a game where they only scored 62 points. I mean, by the way, Kansas wins 84-62. Again, complete domination. Hood wasn't bad for his first game in a couple games. 30 <laughs> minutes, 11 points. Uh, six rebounds, four assists. He did have five turnovers. The turnovers were the key in this game. Indiana had 23 of them, and the majority of them, it felt like they were just throwing the ball, knowing a Kansas defender's weak side, and it, it was easy steals. And I'm not taking that away because Kansas was in the right position and all that, but I think even you would admit that half of those Kansas steals, because I think they had, like, of those 23 turnovers, I think 17 of them were steals. Yeah, uh, yeah 17 steals for Kansas. But I think at least the majority of those steals were, they were just in the right spot, and Indiana was throwing the ball to them.
1: Some of them definitely were, but some of them was a lot to do with Kansas's defense and how good they were in this game. Dwayne Harris was just eating uh, Xavier Johnson up in that first uh, little, like first like eight minutes there of the game before Xavier Johnson got hurt. And oh, by the way, I'm yep, gonna go mention ahead. this fucking once, and I'm not gonna talk about it again because I'm kind of pissed off about it because it's fucking ridiculous and it's honestly embarrassing. Why the fuck are we blaming DeWan Harris for intentionally taking out Xavier Johnson? Dwayne Harris. Play plays the right way. It's a basketball play. He hustled on the floor. Just not forget, he lost the ball. He was trying to stop it from being a turnover. You're just gonna let Xavier Johnson go grab the ball yep. and have you get a turnover? Hell no! You're gonna dive your ass on the fucking floor and try to get that ball back to avoid a turnover. It's a basketball play and it pissed me off seeing he that did, last night. He,
0: he did not dive into his foot. like Xavier. It was just a freak accent. Like you don't want Xavier to get hurt. You don't want anybody getting hurt. And thing the is, guy. I don't know
1: how he got hurt. I don't know what the extent of the injury because me and Tyler Cook talked about it last night. He didn't roll his ankle; nothing really happened. I think he just planted really hard, like Zion did that one year when he blew his shoe out. So we'll see what the extent of this injury is because he went out in pain, and I knew he was going to be out for the rest of the game. We got some um, so. comments
0: on. We got some comments on this game rolling in. i want to say this is Brock Starkey again. Again, I can't see it on my end. It just says Facebook user, but said IU is a different team outside of Assembly, and honestly, they are overhyped. I don't think they're overhyped i think there are who we thought they are and i'll explain why here in just a second um connor a couple rolling in from him grady dick has been carrying us on the offensive end i think that's an understatement and um teams just solid on defense from starters bench it was an impressive defensive performance by Kansas yesterday let me explain Indiana. Go ahead real quick and I'll explain. Big
1: Indiana. love to KJ Adams. He's played his ass off last couple of games. He had nineteen and seven against Missouri, and he had eleven and two. Had the first seven points of this game for Kansas. So shout out to him because he was monstrous in this game early on.
0: Let me explain Indiana real quick. They are who we thought they are, because if you go back all offseason, it's in the magazine. For those who've got the ECB preseason magazine, we talk about it. They can be final for good. But there's a couple things that have to happen. Number one, they have to have reliable shooting from the outside. They've been shooting, I think it's like 36, 37, 38%, which is really good. But it's not in big moments. It's in like these blowout games. They went 6-19 from three last night. And they desperately needed somebody to knock shots down. Because Kansas, like Arizona, was packing the paint to stop Trace Jackson Davis. They were running double teams at him. They were even sometimes triple teams. T.J.D. needs to develop a jump shot. We've talked about this for a year and a half now, Peyton. Yeah. He needs to. In games like this, because you don't think that when they get into the heart of the Big Ten play, you don't think that Michigan and Michigan State and Illinois and all these other teams aren't going to look at these game films between Arizona and Kansas and say, shit, if we pack the paint and he can't get to his left hand, what's he going to do? He has to learn to take that 14, 15-foot jump shot. Whether he makes or misses it or not, to open up this lane. The same thing with Indiana shooting the three ball. If they can hit some threes, it opens up for, Ray, for Miller or for Race Thompson, for guys like Xavier Johnson and Jalen Hood Shafino to drive the ball. If you can't hit shots from the outside and your best big man will not take a jump shot when he is giving it to him, what do you think teams are going to do? They're going to pack the freaking paint. So, Indiana, now- we've said it all offseason. They their big concern is point guard play, three point shooting. The two games that they've lost, actually all three games they've lost so far: Rutgers, Arizona, Kansas. Point guard play, three point shooting has came back to bite them in the ass.
1: Not only that, especially in this game, it showed um, when TJD was getting double teamed. Where were they double teaming mostly? It was on the block. Every time yeah. he get the ball on the block, he double team him. If he develops a jump shot and you put him at the top of the key or top of the paint there, you can't, you're can't. you not going to fucking double team someone in the middle of the paint. There's just too much open space. You can have guys on the corner, you can have guys cutting to the rim, guys on the wing. Like it's You're not going to double team someone if they're on top of the key. It's just not going to happen. You can't do it. But you can double team someone on the block and that's what Kansas did. Bill Self had a fantastic game plan. And it wasn't just TJD getting doubled. We doubled Wace Thompson anytime he catches the ball down the block. We double team Miller Cop every time he'd catch the ball down the block. We double-teamed their whole front court, it seems like, and we had a... That's how a lot of our steals, K.J. Adams, they just... Xavier Johnson or Jalen hitcher tried to force a pass to TJD who doesn't have position, and K.J. Adams just uses athleticism and versatility and just gets a steal and they are out and running. One stat I seen yesterday that's actually... Very interesting. And I don't know if you guys remember. I don't know what episode it was, but we was talking, we was comparing TJD to Drew Tammy. We were talking about who can carry a team more. Who would you, who would you want to have in your team? TJD or Drew Tammy? All three, myself, Josh, and Phil all said we'd rather have Drew Tammy because he wins more. Corey obviously took TJD's side and said that he can carry a team. Listen to this stat. Against Ken Palm top 100 teams in TJD's career at Indiana, he's 5 and 25.
0: Yeah, and he does kind of fade. And I don't want to th- say he didn't have a good game. He played 29 minutes, had 13 points, six rebounds, he nine, eight blocks, or nine like blocks, nine blocks, yeah. nine blocks. So he's still playing hard, but offensively, he's got to be better. And real quick on the Kansas side, we we lauded their defense, but man, they had six dudes in double figures. Grady Dick led the way. Kim Palm MVP with 20 points. Jalen Wilson 11. Kevin McCullough, 11. KJ Adams 11. And then Dewan Harris and Bobby Pettiford ten good game for Bobby Pettiford. That's uh not un that's not I'll usual tell you what. for him shoot or scoring the ball like that.
1: I tell you what, I really like the lineup of him and Dwan Harris as the guards, uh, Jalen Wilson, um, KJ Adams, and uh, either McCullough or Grady Dick. Like that lineup was able to get buckets and on the defensive side of the ball was able to get out and guard people. Uh, you mentioned Dewan Harris. This was his first career double double like ever. Uh, ten points, ten assists, and. He might be one of the best point guards in the country. Okay. I definitely I'm... think he's the best floor general in the country. I don't know who you classify as a point guard anymore in these days of college basketball, but, I mean, he's got to be at least top three point guards in the country.
0: Well, I was going to say that, because I'm not ready to crown him the best point guard in college basketball yet when you have guys like Yuri Collins from St. Louis out there and some really good point guards. But what I've seen from him I haven't seen before And that's his passing ability. He made some dime passes. We know defensively he's great, but some of them passes he made, like that no-look dime to fucking Bobby Pettiford, I mean, just outstanding. But Kansas, big win. They do look like a team that can go back-to-back for the first time since Florida did it. So let's keep an eye on that. This Kansas
1: team might be better than the one last year. Might be.
0: Could be. Which is weird because they don't have the post play that Bill Self is accustomed yeah, to. Yeah, but
1: he's adapted his game, and now we've got an offense that'd be able to versatilely get out and defend people, and we're shooting a lot more threes than what we ever did. And if we start converting these bad boys, it's going to be trouble for the Big 12. It's almost there.
0: Well, you mentioned Drew Timmy. Another big game was down in Birmingham yesterday. Which they said was a neutral game, but let's be There's honest. No, if if you're if you're playing Alabama in Birmingham, Alabama, how's it a neutral game? And I think last
1: like, I think last year they played in Spokane when this game was played, and I think they called that a neutral game too, which is not.
0: Well, kinda like Kentucky going up to Spokane yeah. earlier in the year. I mean it wasn't, it, but it's not. Regardless, number fifteen Gonzaga goes to Birmingham and beats number eight Alabama. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, number eight Alabama. Yeah, I do have that right. Sorry, I'm sorry, uh, sorry. Number thirteen, Alabama, in the ECB poll, right?
1: Uh, I think so. I don't have the list old.
0: No, that's not right. I'm sorry. I think it. Whatever it was, I had to pull it back up. But anyways, they beat Alabama in Birmingham, and 100 to 90 high scoring game. Great game. Drew Timmy, 29 points. Ten rebounds. He did have six turnovers, which is kind of unusual. That's
1: very unusual. For but how standards. about
0: the play of freshman Brandon Miller? Thirty-six points. This kid is a stud. When Phil keeps saying that he's the best freshman in the country, I don't think there's any doubt right now. He is yeah. a he's a monster.
1: Yeah, I'm going to concede the fact that he's probably the best freshman in the country. 36 points is fucking ridiculous. He, I mean, they, they got beat by, they got 100-piece. Uh, they got 100 points put up on them. They scored 90 themselves. They got beat by 10. But if you take him off this floor, then this fucking game is just not even close.
0: No, I, I'm with you. Uh, his ability to just make shots, you know who he does remind me of? He reminds me of Jabari Smith from Auburn last year. 6'9", can put the ball on the deck and handle it, can shoot the three ball. He, I mean, he's 6 of 11 from three yesterday, can attack the rim, can do a little bit of everything. I mean, he looks like an NBA player. But the story of the game, obviously, besides Brandon Miller, was Gonzaga. They needed a big win. This is their last big non-conference test before they get in the WCC, and let's be honest, they'll probably run it run through that conference again despite it being a little better this year. But Gonzaga needed this win more than Alabama because of the lack of opportunities moving forward to get quality wins. And they showed up. This looked like traditional Gonzaga. Anton Watson 17 points, Timmy 29, Rasir Bolton eleven, Nolan Hickman 13, Julian Straw eleven, and Malachi Smith had a good game finally off the bench with 12 points. Gonzaga seven of seventeen from three. It's forty one percent. They it just it looked like a traditional Gonzaga performance all the way around.
1: Yeah, um, you want to, before I get to Gonzaga, talking a little bit more about Brandon Miller and comparisons. Um, I see a lot of people trying to compare him to Paul George. I don't really see that too much in his game. Uh, what I do see, I think he's like a little bit thinner version of Buddy Hield from Oklahoma. Um, I see a lot of similarities. in Buddy. yeah, and taller. I see a lot of similarities in that game. Um, but yeah, he he went off in this game. Gonzaga wise, I mean. You got the dub. That's the most important. you got the dub, definitely the best one all season because they had they have struggled here past, but you gave up ninety points. defense is still an issue. Um, I'm definitely not ready to say their final four contenders at all uh, until they can get that defensive um, until they the, the defense can get a lot better and they can go out in the perimeter. Um, the fact that they gave up ninety points to an Alabama team, um, no offense to them, but you shouldn't be doing that. Uh, your defense should be a lot better than what it is. Um, and if you don't get that fixed soon, then I can see them going out. I don't know if they even make the Sweet 16 this year if their defense isn't better.
0: Well, if they're going to score 100 as well, though, you can give up 90. This is be- We got not spoiled, but you remember the last two years, Gonzaga's defense was top 25, even in some cases top 15, top 10. This is more like the Gonzaga we know where they're going to score a shit ton of points and just outpoint you. So if, they, if they're going to score 100 at nightly, they're going to win – 99% of those games, if not 100% of them.
1: Yeah, they're probably going to score like over 80-plus points in probably almost all the games in the WCC conference this year, besides maybe a couple. And once they do that, and once they get into a tournament, they fucking match up a teammate against Houston or Virginia, or even a team like San Diego State, who's defensively sound. Uh, they're not going to score 80 points, and they're going to fucking struggle. Do, do you have concerns about Drew Timmy having to carry the load more than probably
0: he ever has? breaking down by March. Yes. I, I, I was sitting here thinking about that. I do worry about it a little bit because he would score 29, 30, 35 points in the last couple of years, but he wasn't like, he didn't have to, if that makes sense. He had other guys that could go make life easy. Most of the time he got these points when the games were already out of hand. Yeah. Now he's expected to go get 30 points a night for them to win games. And can't, will his body hold up? I mean, I think that's a real question mark.
1: I think it definitely is. I, they need someone in their backcourt to step up, whether it's Bolton, Salas, um whoever it is, Smith coming off the bench, like they need someone in their backcourt to step up and help score the basketball. That way, Drew Timmy doesn't have to because he doesn't need to be going for 30 points every single game. If you rely on him to get 30 points every single game, then you're already in trouble in my eyes, even if you do win the game. So someone in their backcourt, whether even Julian Stronger, like he has to step up his game as well. He only had 11 points in this game. Two, uh, no assists at all.
0: Good win for Gonzaga. We see in the live chat here our friends from Everything Pro Wrestling, Conrad Cushman. Now, we've got your ad going to play here in a little bit, let everybody know where you're at. But good to see our buddies from Everything Pro Wrestling in the live chat today with us. Peyton, let's move on. Um, This was the second game and probably the more marquee game of the CBS Sports Classic up in Madison Square Garden. We had number 14 UCLA beating number 13 Kentucky, 63 53. Go ahead. You want,
1: you want to just talk about the North Carolina game just real quick? Just keep it up with Conrad because I know Kentucky 1 probably going to get a lot of our time here because I know that we're going to talk yeah, about stuff. Yeah, ro- so let's go ahead. So ro- yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the North Carolina game since it did tip off the CBS Sports Classic. Uh, Conrad Cushman, your boys, Carolina, they got it done. Uh, the first big win of the season, 89-84 to 84 in overtime. Beautiful play design by Hubert Davis. Oh, that uh, Descending was in overtime, beauty. getting Pete Nance a uh, uh, jump shot there on the left wing there. Just well, beautiful.
0: Well, for people who don't know, they got the ball. Like, they were down. They threw the ball to half court, called a timeout with like 1.2 left, which was great, right? Great yeah. strategy to get a play at half court as opposed to full court. And then Hubert, for all the criticism he gets, drew up a masterful play. Like, Roy Williams and Dean Smith would have drawn that up if you didn't know no better. And they isolated Pete Nance on the far block side and lobbed the ball to him because he had a height advantage. He catches the ball, a little turnaround baby jump shot, sends the game to overtime. I mean, he couldn't have drawn things up any better than that.
1: I tell you, I, I got to pull it up here. He says about time. Um, I don't think – this could be a game that really sparks North Carolina's team this year um, and get them pulled into the – you know, before ACC plays. And they can well, still win the conference. I think they got the talent to do so. I well, um, they've won a
0: couple in a row now.
1: They've won a couple in a row. And like I said, they just got their first big win of the season, defeating Ohio State, who was a ranked team, top 25, ranked 23rd in the nation. Um, I think their bench play definitely is an issue. Uh, they only had three bench points. Um, P- uh, Johnson had two, and Tyler Nichol had one point. Uh, but Mondo McCut, his best game of the season, 28-15. Caleb Love, 22 points. Pete Nance, 8 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, RJ Davis were 21-8-4. They hit a, they hit some threes in this game, and they was able to come out with the victory. I'm not saying they're going to win the ACC Conference. I still think Virginia wins and Duke, too. But if Carolina can keep this momentum up, they could, you know, prove us right for picking them to win the conference this year. Well,
0: here we know the story for Carolina for them to be good. We, we know it. Baycott's got to have a good game. They've got to force feed Baycott and then play outside. They got to go inside out. They got to let Baycott get his, draw some double teams, and then R.J. Davis, Kale Bluff, and guys like that can hit their threes. And then, of course, you need to get the production the contribution production from Pete Nance. Pete Nance can't – every once in a while he can be your leading scorer, but if you rely on a guy like Pete Nance to lead you in the team, you're probably not going to win a whole lot of games. No. He needs to be a contra- or complimentary player. Baycott, he needs games like that, 28-15, and 15. If he does that and sets the tone for North Carolina, they're probably going to win more games than they lose. And they need so, to
1: keep rebounding the ball. They got 45 rebounds in this game, uh, 45 to Ohio State's 37. I think that's good for them. They need to dominate the glass.
0: And they were down. They were down as much as 15 at one point to Ohio State and rallied yeah. in the second half. And then once it, you kind of knew once it got to overtime, it kind of felt like Carolina's It was, their, ball it was game. their
1: game to lose at that point. It
0: kind of felt like Carolina's ball game. But let's move to the other one. I mentioned it. 14 UCLA beats 13 Kentucky 63-53 in a game in which UCLA or Kentucky led 5-2, then UCLA took over big time from there. They were up what was 12-13 points at halftime and yeah. never really looked back. Kentucky went on a rally in the second half, got it tied. UCLA went on another little 6-0 run, and Kentucky could just never, never completely reel it back in. Uh, great game. Again, from Jaime Jaquez, nineteen points, twelve rebounds, four assists, four steals. The turnovers were super disappointing for Kentucky. Eighteen turnovers and just sloppy. Xavier had six of them. Just, I'm gonna let you take over before I get into some stats because I'm just, I'm completely over Kentucky being mediocre.
1: I'm gonna go some just with some team stats here for Kentucky. Uh, twenty-one of sixty-four from the field. That's 33%. Uh, 6 of 21 for the three-point line, 29%. Uh, 5 of 13 from the free throw line, 38%. Uh, 18 turnovers for Kentucky in this game. Uh, only 14 assists. Uh, tied 38 to 38 on the rebounding uh, margin. Uh, tied on blocks. They had three less steals. Same amount of fouls. Kentucky just got beat up in this game. 53 points. Are you shitting me, really? I mean, I know in Kentucky teams in the past, the defense normally steps up, uh, which I think their defense played well in this game. Um, and the offense comes later on. But this is a year I don't think their offense is ever going to come on late like it has in the past. Uh, there, there is no offense in this team, it's all there ISO none. play. There, maybe one screen there you'll get. Uh, did CJ Frederick even play in this game? Because I feel like I'd never seen him on the floor he, he at all.
0: Play, he played six minutes. And it's again, CJ's disappearing in these big games. He couldn't guard. A couple possessions in the first half, back-to-back, I think. He slipped with the ball, like just fell down. Like, I don't know what's going on with this kid, a kid that we were expecting to rely on this year as a shooter, as a defender like he was at Iowa, and we've not got that this year from CJ. Uh, Oscar Sheba, 8 points, 16 rebounds. Pretty much typical Oscar game with a it's point below Chris Livingston had a breakout game. It's such a shame his breakout game was a wasted game. 14 points. He carried the Kentucky run in the second half. But before I really blister Kentucky, we got to give a lot of credit to UCLA. They are going to be our team of the week here later in the show. They go into Maryland earlier in the week and just dominate a top 25 Maryland team on the road, completely wipe them out. Then they beat Kentucky. We've got to give credit, whether our feelings about him or not. we got to give Mick Cronin credit because since yes. he's from UCLA. They've made a Final Four. They're always in contention. He's getting his teams to play his brand of defense, togetherness, and they are just so damn tough to beat. Uh, you get good play from a guy like David Singleton who knocks down a couple threes. Jaime Hawkins, great footwork. Him and Drew Timmy has the best footwork from post players in the game. And you mentioned in a, a, a text to me, last night during the game, that Jamein Hawkins is the best ISO forward in the game.
1: He is, 10%.
0: Tiger Campbell, doing Tiger Campbell things, 15 points. He only had two assists, but he just runs the show. And this is all while the star freshman, of Amari, Amari Bailey, continues to play like a two-star recruit as opposed to a five-star. Mac Etienne, 6'10 freshman, comes on, plays 13 minutes. Production-wise, stat line, he, you would think he didn't have a good game. But if you watched him defend on Oscar... He played his ass off like UCLA has completely tucking on the identity of Mick Cronin and they are tougher than hell to beat. And they look like a team that can win the PAC 12 this year, or at least compete with Arizona to do so.
1: In big games this year for Amari Bailey, talking about him being a two-star crew, let alone a five-star crew. Um the Illinois game, there are four big games that they put five big games they played so far. The Illinois game he scored one point. Bailey game, five points. Uh Mailing game, he scored four points, and this game he scored three points. That's like a total of let's see seven, uh, twelve that's like thirteen points in four games. And a shit ton of uh minutes that he's played. That's got to change. That's still going to be my biggest fault of this UCLA team is when the hell is Amari Bailey going to show up because he has the talent to do so. I think he's got a lot of time to get this shit figured out and start to score the ball more. He at least needs to start getting 10 points a game in these big time games because if he can do it against Stanford, if he can do it against Oregon, he should be able to do it against Kentucky, uh, Maryland, Illinois, Bailey. He should be able to do it against those teams as well. He's got to step it up. That's still my biggest fault on them. Uh, uh, as a whole team. Uh, Tiger Campbell, you mentioned, I thought he was very impressive in this game. He ran the floor, didn't really make too many mistakes. Uh, he only had a couple assists though. Um, two turnovers. That's not really good. You know, a good t- turnover to assist ratio is Normally two to one. Uh, he was two to two in this game, two assists, uh, two well, turnovers. I mean, he'd be
0: one to
1: one, one to one, one to one. Yeah. yeah. Um, how many guys? union? Uh, you mentioned it. Uh, I talked about it last night in our group chat. He might be the best ISO forward in the game. I think he is. There's, he, not a, there's not a lot of forwards out there. Like, Drew Timmy does it a little bit, but he's not – He doesn't he have, have the, the shot making. Shot. Yeah, yeah, he, he doesn't have, have the t- jump shot of Jaime Hecker Jr. How come Jaime Hequez Jr. could one point guard if he wanted to?
0: Yep. He can bring the ball up the floor and initiate offense. And – it's super smart on his behalf, but it annoys the fuck out of me where he does that little lean into your chest to create space. Yeah. I always thought that was a foul. I, I thought you could not initiate contact like that, but apparently they yeah. let it go. He did it to Oscar let, that one time. No, he did it multiple times to guys. He did it to Jacob yeah. Hoffman, but it's it's smart on your behalf because, again, even for a forward, he's kind of undersized playing at a power forward spot 6'7". So you got to create space, and if they're going to allow it, that's super smart. It's just annoying to watch when it's going against your team. But Yeah. Uh, Peyton,
1: what happened to this Jacob Toppin that I was hearing about in the offseason? Now he buddy, was going to take I, a step uh, forward, I, and he's going to improve a lot. He played 24 minutes, 5 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 attempts from the field. Um, which isn't saying much because the rest of the Kentucky team I mentioned wasn't efficient at all from the field. But defensively, he wasn't good either. Like, he couldn't stop Homie and Jr. He couldn't stop. He was in. Well, how many fouls did he have? I feel like he had a couple he fouls only there. He, he only had two. He only had two, okay. I thought he had a little bit more than that. But defensively, he wasn't great. Offensively, he was probably even worse. Like, he – I don't know what's to deal with him. I think he has the talent. He showed in the second half of the Gonzaga game. Penalty so, for France, by the way. A holy shit. a penalty. And, but, he's complaining, uh, and he's complaining about it. Like, oh, I'm going to But, him in the but face.
0: regardless, stay on topic here. Uh, Jacob Toppin, I have no idea. I, I think he is just trying to force shit too much. He thinks he's a jump shooter, and he's not. He his. I don't know. I, I can't explain it, and I can't explain this Kentucky team. That's three losses now of the big games. And on the surface, there's no shame in losing to Michigan State, Gonzaga, UCLA. But no. when you're Kentucky... The mediocrity has got to stop because we go into these games now expecting to lose and just hoping to win. And that's not Kentucky basketball. That's not the first five years of John Calipari at Kentucky where it was magical and it was Kentucky against the world. And if you the big blue came into your place, you felt fear in your heart. It's not that way anymore. Nobody fears Kentucky anymore. And it's reasons like this. The offense is 10 years behind the times. How many times do we have to say this over the years? It is, he, Cal Perry is running 2008 offense for 2022, almost 2023 players and style of play. If you look at UCLA running offense, it was beautiful. Everybody off ball was making cuts, was setting off ball screens, was doing the things they needed to do to create movement and space. And then maybe late in the shot clock, they'd run out of high ball screen. To create openings, Kentucky wants to post Oscar, have everybody stand around on the wings and the uh, the corners, see if Saber can get a high ball screen and create something. That's it, and then maybe late in the shot clock, you try to force feed Oscar or you know take a bad jump shot. There's no offensive identity with this Kentucky team, and how about this for a damning stat?
1: Yeah, however long this it how wild.
0: Yeah, however long it was three or four years ago when Cal Perry got the lifetime contract at Kentucky. We mentioned it before then. I think even you admit people feared playing Kentucky. Like we were the gold standard of college basketball.
1: Yeah. But
0: since Cal Perry got that lifetime contract, he is the overall record at Kentucky is sixty seven and thirty three. Versus ranked opponents, he's eight and fifteen. Versus non conference power five teams like the UCLA game here. They are 7-11. and 11. He's got zero NCAA tournament wins since getting that lifetime contract and only one SEC tournament win, and that happening against Vanderbilt last season. There, ever since he got this lifetime contract, Kentucky has went from the gold standard to a very mediocre team. And I've seen a great point. I don't remember who made it. I think it was Aaron Torres. Oh, my God. France just equalized Mbappe. Oh. Um,
1: Let's go, Killian. Um, Killian Kill since- Mbappe.
0: Hey, ever I'm since I'm sorry, uh, go ahead. You know, ever since he got that lifetime contract, Kentucky is mediocre. They, I think it was Aaron Torres, like I was mentioning from Fox Sports, said that Kentucky's turning the Dallas Cowboys. They're gonna win a lot of games, but none when it matters.
1: I agree. Sorry, I, I listened. And Boppe, you're my dude, bro. Let's go save your idol, baby. Let's fucking go. What a goal from him. Holy shit. Now we got a game going on, boys and girls. Let's go. Uh, as far as Kentucky goes, I agree. Uh the Dallas Cowboys comparison is definitely a great comparison. Um, you know, they do great in the regular season only times a tournament. That's the biggest side of them all to me. I don't give a really shit what you do in the regular season. I mean, eight and twenty-five against uh what was it, top twenty-five teams or something, or ranked opponents. Eight, eight, and ranked eight and fifteen versus ranked opponents. Eight and fifteen versus ranked opponents. I mean, that's not good either, but that's not the biggest thing to me, because I don't give a shit about that. It's the tournament wins. No tournament wins since your lifetime contract? What the fuck are we doing here? Two years ago, you had your worst season in history program ever. And then last year, you lost in the first round. The worst loss party in Kentucky's tournament history. Um, two back-to-back Without back failures. Without a doubt. Two back-to-back failures. Um, and the thing is, if Kentucky doesn't get past the first weekend this, we- this year in the tournament we're going to have to have serious talks about he needs to fucking go. And because well, th- it's all about the buyout. I mean, I don't think Kentucky's going to ever fire
0: 60, him. $61 million to fire him right now, and there's Jesus. no way in hell that nobody's paying that. No,
1: not 60. even a booster is going to fucking pay that shit. Well,
0: I'm just I'm, – he's so stubborn. I, I On our face, or on our Twitter page, I retweeted uh, his postgame presser where he was saying, quote – I haven't lost faith in my team. I'm disappointed that we have to get mentally and physically tougher. And I quote tweeted from the Everything College Basketball Twitter and said, at what point does the head coach need to get, quote, unquote, mentally tougher? Like mentally tough enough to look in the mirror and understand your way of coaching isn't working anymore. Your offense is 10 years behind the the times. When does that happen? Calipari, you love saying this stuff about your team to motivate and to keep the fans happy and do all this stuff. But at what point do you look in the mirror and say, you know what? Maybe I've lost on the offense because defensively, Kentucky's still good. They're six yeah. defensively. If you hold UCLA to 63 points, you should win that game 99 times out of 100 times. You should win. Defensively is not the issue. Cal needs to pull a page. If you guys remember Billy Donovan at Florida, he felt his team was going in the mid-2000s, kind of going in a slump where they weren't as good. He hires an offensive coach strictly to coach the offense. They went back-to-back national titles because he was aware enough to think, oh, man, we need a change. Look at what freaking uh, Michigan has hired. Yes, thank
1: you, Beeline.
0: N- not Beeline. It w- it's um, oh the, the old uh, St. Joe's coach. What's his name?
1: Well, Beeline, two years ago, Beeline was when he was at Michigan, or a couple years ago when he was at Michigan. Oh, yeah, he, he was. Uh, yeah, he was uh, the defensive. Defensively, they weren't great. So he went and hired a coach like, hey, we're not great defensively. Help fix this shit. And guess what? The year after that, when they had Jordan Poole, they had fucking, uh, I don't know who else they had, but there was a year that they was like top five in the nation, beat the they shit were, out of Carolina. It Charles was a Zion. Matthews. Yeah, Charles Matthews, a Zion year for that, for Duke, um, that 2000, our uh, first year doing the podcast. They was in top three in defensive efficiency all year round. You got to change the game. You got to do something. You got to adapt. There's more to being a great coach than just being a great recruiter and a great motivator. That's only going to get you so far. When it comes to X's and those, you got to be better. And I think you got to listen to your assistant coaches too. I know for a fact, wasn't it last year who was a Chin Coleman or someone like that was trying to get him to do something differently, yeah. and he would not listen at all. You got to listen to assistant coaches.
0: Well, think about when a couple years ago when we had that historically bad year when we went like eight and twenty-two or whatever it was. The game where he got expelled against Mississippi State when we actually won that game when we had came in losing what like six or seven. And Bruiser Flint was the, the head coach. You remember how different that offense looked to get Dante Allen red hot shots and he had like 23?
1: Yeah, there's like, idea. And the, the, the movement
0: when the offense. So it tells me that you have guys like Bruiser Flint and Chen Coleman and Orlando Antigua that probably have some great offensive ideas, but Cal's apparently not listening. He wants to stay stuck in this, let's play two post players, let's slow it down, let's do a dribble drive. And we've mentioned it, it works if you got John Wall. If you got John Wall that can push the pace... Or De'Aaron Fox. Or De'Aaron Fox, or a guy like that. Or even one of the Harrison twins. Or Tyler Uless. Or name a great point guard playing at Kentucky that can run the show, then it works to perfection. But when you don't have it, and you don't have an offensive threat as a point guard as well, this offense is antiquated, and it sucks. And it's holding Kentucky back because we've mentioned defensively, Peyton. They are among the best in college basketball. Defensively. But... The offensive side is absolutely killing this team, and Cal's got to make a change or Kentucky's got to make a change. One of the two, because I am sick and tired of Kentucky. Um, I- I'm sick and tired of Kentucky being mediocre. You know um, what I'm saying? I don't I, know how that's not a fucking penalty. Um, yeah, I'm I agree. T- I'm tired of the mediocre. And real quick before we move on, kentucky we got a lot of other stuff to talk about. That was their last chance for a quality win for a while. Uh, yeah, that's a,
1: that's why I was going to mention. Go they, ahead though.
0: They've got Florida A and M coming in, which whatever. They got Missouri SEC game the week after December twenty eighth. They got the Louisville game. No offense to Louisville, but that's not a quality win. That's only going to be a, a terrible loss if you oh lose that God. game.
1: That's catastrophic.
0: And, and and then you get an SEC play. Thank God the SEC is so strong right now because you get LSU, who's pretty good right now. You get the Alabama game. South Carolina's dog shit. You get Tennessee. We know how great Tennessee is. But you're going to have to get the the quality wins in the SEC play, and then you lump that Kansas game in the middle. So for Kentucky's resume to try to be like a two or three seed in this NCAA tournament, they're going to have to run roughshod over the SEC. And to do that, you're going to have to fucking figure out this offense because that's holding you back.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to mention earlier. Does Kentucky? Ha- it's a-, a month into the season. Does Kentucky have a good win? Is Michigan uh, are we say in Michigan in the I, game against London? Michigan's fifty first in Ken Palm.
0: Do, do you know what their two best wins are as far as uh net rankings go? And that would be Michigan and Yale. Yale. Yeah. Yale.
1: A I month mean, into the season. And this is a team that's played Michigan State, Gonzaga, and UCLA.
0: I mean, I, it's something's gotta get figured out because it, it can't be it can't be like this. You you're Kentucky. You cannot be mediocre. No. You gotta win these fucking games. Yeah. But Let's move on to another SEC team that had a big game last night. Tennessee goes to Arizona, and it was a great game. A great game. The type of game you would expect. Arizona holds home court 75 70 over Tennessee. It was tight throughout, and Tennessee was up seven at one point. Arizona ends up winning by five in the end. They got up as much as 10 there in the second half. What a great college basketball game on the West Coast. Uh, Azulas Tubelis MVP of the game, 19 points, 9 rebounds. Omar Balo continues his red-hot streak to start the year, 18 points. Courtney Ramey, 13. Kirk Reza, down night as far as scoring the basketball, but he did other stuff well. He had 5 assists. This Arizona team, when clicking, and we've seen it the last couple of weeks now, Peyton, we talked about it last week, Arizona is good enough to cut the nets down.
1: Yeah. They still got to hit shots, though. I mean, 5 of 21 from the three-point line. I think that's credit to Tennessee's defense, though. They're
0: the number one defense in college basketball.
1: Yeah, a right? lot of those shots were contested, and Arizona wasn't hitting and Tennessee wasn't hitting too much either. I mean, they shot a little bit better, 8 of 27, which is 30% from the three-point line. Um, I watched the first half of this game, didn't get to watch the second half of this game. I hate West Coast games um, at the top, especially when we have to get up early to record in the morning. Uh, so, I didn't even watch the second half of this game, but i seen it was 35-35 to end the first half, and it just seems like it was a dogfight in that first half, especially. And I'm sure it was more of the same in the second half. Sakai so Ziggler came off the bench 21-6. and six. Um, I'm curious. He's probably going to stay on the bench for a while. I don't see him starting anytime soon unless something drastically changes uh, with uh, Fiscovi or someone in the lineup starts not to play well. But, uh yeah, I mean, these two teams, I think both of these teams – I think Arizona's uh, a contender to win the national championship definitely gets to the Final Four, and I think Tennessee's on the verge of that. I still think they got a little bit more to improve, though, before I give them that reign of being Final Four contenders.
0: And, and I want to give you an example. We've talked about Tennessee, you know, defensive-minded. They're number one in the nation right now in Ken Palm and adjust the defense. But their offense couldn't be a concern, too. But the difference in between Kentucky and Tennessee is we trust Tennessee and Rick Barnes' offense. Theirs is just a matter of not hitting shots. It's not because of the offense, because they run great offense. They're tougher than shit, and they're reliable. If they hit shots, they win games because their defense is so good. Kentucky's problem is they don't run offense and don't hit shots. Completely different stories. You mentioned Zakai Ziegler, 21 points off the bench. Great game for him. He was just hitting everything, it felt like. But I think that the story for Tennessee this year is the – emergence of senior uh, Olivia and Kamala. 16 points. He's been tremendous this year to start the year.
1: Very surprising. Very surprising how well he's playing. And Arizona, one thing I know about them is that I think their bench players play a lot better. Uh, zero points. Zero bench points at all. Um, you had guys like Henderson coming off the bench playing 14, Boswell, and... Uh, I can't even say his last name. I'm not even going to try. Uh, they both played eight minutes V-Sar. apiece. Saw, there you go. They both played eight minutes apiece, and none of them scored the ball at all. They had zero points. I feel like they when they get into play when they play teams like UCLA coming up in the Pac-12, he's going to defend. He's going to be physical back with them, um, and probably going to foul a lot, get them in foul trouble. Uh, if they get in foul trouble, their bench is going to have to be a lot more reliable than it is, to, especially in this game.
0: And then we talked the last week against the game against Indiana, a guy like Adama Ball off the bench hit three threes. He didn't hit – He o of 1 from 3 in this game. You'd like to see him score. But this Arizona team is just so big and so good. They can defend, but they can score a lot of points. Great game. I, again, we talked about Houston, Virginia, Peyton. These are two Final Four caliber teams. Yeah, pretty much. And let me ask you this, and I put it on our Twitter, and it got a little play – is there any team in basketball <laughs> period? I'm talking NBA or anything that talks more shit than Arizona does, especially Kirk Kuechly because he almost started a damn fight at the end of the game.
1: I think Arkansas is up there. I think I know Arkansas talks a lot of shit with Anthony Black, um, the guys they got down there, and now Nick Smith's back. I know he talks a little shit as well. So uh, I think they can contend for first place, but Arizona, I mean. They, they they got it though. They, I mean, if you, the part, the great thing about talking shit is got to back it up. And they're backing up every single night. Um, and if you want to get in a fist fight with them, I dare you to, because Omar Bala might whoop your ass. Might whoop the whole team's ass. Um, so I mean, I mean, I love it. You no know, shit talks part of the game. We talked about it with Drew Timmy how he celebrates after every fucking score he gets and doesn't get a technical um, or anything like that. But Xavier Johnson would dunk and look at the t- look at the other opposing team's bench, not even say anything, and he'll get a technical kind of. Off of my eyes. But uh, if you're going to let them talk shit, let them talk shit. Just don't call them no bullshit technicals. It's all I ask.
0: Yeah, I think Arizona leads the category in shit talking, which is fun. Peyton, a couple rapid fire before we take our one and only commercial of the, the show here. Earlier midweek, back on Tuesday, Alabama h- held home court and beat Memphis in a great college basketball game, 91 88. This had everything you wanted. Stars playing well. Kendrick gave us 30 points. He actually left the game with about. Four or five, six minutes to go with an injury. Just, I think it was exhaustion. And yeah. at Thirty points. He was ungodly good in this game. He's so you talk good. about. You talk about um, uh, the kid from UCLA, uh, Jaime is being the best ISO forward. I don't know if there's a better ISO guard in the country than Kendrick Davis, at six foot. That dude can get his shot anywhere he wants it.
1: He might be one of the – he might be up there with the best guards in the country. Uh, I definitely think he's up there, but he might because Marcus Sasso hasn't really played his best. Uh, he, I mean, he hasn't really played his best game all season long so far. And Kendrick Davis just went off for 30 points against Alabama um, and almost with, came out with like- the-
0: yeah, like and, with
1: missing the last
0: couple minutes.
1: Yeah, and they didn't shoot the ball well from three at all and still only lost, what, like three points or something like that? Three, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a possession game. They didn't hit yeah.
0: their first three. What killed Memphis and what's going to hurt them all throughout the year because defensively they're so good, they're athletic as hell. They didn't hit their first three of the game until like three seconds left to go in the game.
1: Yeah, when they were that's, already your, down that's wild. That's wild. Um, if,
0: if they can figure out the shooting in, I'm telling you, this Memphis team is a handful because they got a star. They've got good role players. They're athletic. They'll defend. Penny's doing a great job at Memphis. We talked about it last week. He's doing a great job. And the other star, Brandon Miller, 24 points in this game. I just phenomenal. Great midweek college basketball game. Peyton, other last thing, real quick, rapid fire. The big East started conference play this week. And you talking about a team that I'm full disclosure, and I love Purdue right now. I've said it, but I think the best team in college basketball right now is Connecticut. They're seventh in offense, three in defense. They are 12 and 0. All 12 wins coming by double digit points average. They go to Butler. We know how tough Hinkle Fieldhouse, and this is a pretty good Butler team. They beat them 68 46. Peyton and the play of Adama Sanogo looks like an All-American type dude. 27 points in this game, 14 rebounds. This is a complete Connecticut team. They defend you. They can score. They'll hit shots. They hit 10 threes in this game against Butler on the road. Peyton, I think Connecticut might be the best team in the country.
1: Top three without a doubt top three. They they might be up there. Uh, I think at this point, with Virginia losing, I think it's them and Purdue battling for number one. Uh, I still might give the edge to uh, Purdue. Uh, In my eyes, they got the national Player of the year, and that's I mean, Zunogo played great in this game. You mentioned 31 minutes, 27 points, 14 boards, had three assists in that game as well. And I ended up catching a little bit of the later game. I don't remember what game was on before this, but I ended up catching some of that, some of this game. And uh, Zenogo was just dominated as he has been all season long. Hawkins, 12 points, 26 minutes. Uh, he had a couple threes, two or five in the three-point line. I like this Connecticut team. I think they're going to win the Big East this year, and I think they might win about a couple of games. I don't know if anyone's going to really get close because the way Creighton's been playing, they really need Ryan Cockburn to come back because uh, I don't see them winning any game, any big games anytime soon without Cockburn being on the team.
0: Buddy, Creighton's lost, what, one, two, three, six in a row now. Marquette That's... beat them. They've lost Jesus. six in a row. They're six and six on the year. Talk about disappointing, which I got a segment coming up. Uh, Providence goes into Seton Hall, gets a nice win, 71-67. Providence has won four in a row. Payton, the play of Bryce Hopkins. That kid is showing his talent through and through now.
1: Yeah. Completely different player than he was at Kentucky. To be fair, he didn't really get a lot of minutes to shine either when he's at Kentucky, but he's starting to – I mean, he's a big boy. I mentioned – we mentioned it, or I talked about it with when we had Will on the show. He's a big boy. He's physical, and if he's going to be able to hit some shots and be able to be a beast down low and defend, he's going to be a big-time piece.
0: 24 points in this game. Providence starting to try to put things together. But Big East conference play has started. I think the only conference that hasn't as far as the high majors is the SEC. And that'll start here in a couple weeks. So we're, we're starting to get into the thick of conference play. But right now we are going to take our one and only commercial break of the show. Got to pay some bills around this bitch. And... We will come right back at you. we got a lot of pre... Not a lot, because this upcoming week's Christmas week and not a whole lot of games, but we still got some more fun goodness coming at you on Everything College Basketball, episode 126. Hang tight, fellas. we got commercial breaks coming right at you. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh here, and I'm here to let you know that we've teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they are here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download their app, and use code NCAA, Hoops Digest for $20 off of your first purchase. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tondo, the co-founder of House Enterprise, and I'm happy to announce that the Everything College Basketball Podcast is now part of the House of College Hoops Network, We're really excited to bring you some premier college basketball content this season. So check out the website, www.house-enterprise.com, for all of our content creators, all of our college hoop stuff. And we're excited to get this season rolling. What's going on, everybody? This is Conrad here from Everything Pro Wrestling, here to let you know that Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. Every Monday, we are live at 6.05 Eastern Standard Time with Clash of the Podcast, where you can listen to myself and my tag team partner, Sean Hubbard of Hubbard Wrestling Weekly talk all the latest and greatest in pro wrestling. You might even find an old-school topic or two as well mixed in. And every Wednesday, we go live on YouTube once again with AEW Dynamite post-show coverage. So at 10.05, head on over to the Everything Pro Wrestling channel and talk what we just saw on Dynamite with us. And did I mention that we are on all available audio platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Thank you so much for listening to me and let's get back to everything college basketball. I want to send a big shout out to our network house enterprises house of college hoops again we mentioned at the top of the show go to house-enterprise.com for the best collection of college basketball writers podcasts in the world right now and that's including your boys here at everything college basketball and I want to shout out our friends he was in the show i don't know if he's still here conrad but Conrad Cushman and everything pro wrestling, they got you covered from top to bottom and head to toe in the world of professional wrestling. We'd like to say it's our sister site. So go give them a follow if you are into pro wrestling. And of course, if you're going to a game, if you're going to a concert, if you're going anywhere that requires a ticket, download the SeatGeek app, use our promo code, and get $20 off of your first purchase. Um, Peyton, before we get into previews, again, like I said, it's Christmas week this upcoming week. We got a lot going on, so there's not a lot of games this week. Before we get into that, doing it again this week, this date in college basketball history. I love these segments. I love doing the research for it, and this is another big one. And I swear to God, I don't mean to keep bringing Kentucky in this because this is three weeks now, three different Kentucky games. But these are just the ones that pop up. These researchers is kind of hard trying to find these. I'm just letting you know. But this was a big one. Dece- on this date, December eighteenth, two 2001, in Madison Square Garden, number one Duke beats number seven Kentucky in an instant classic, 95-92 in overtime. It was a Jimmy V classic game. Jay Williams, 38 points, Tayshaun Prince, 17. Kentucky had a lead. Duke evaporated the lead. They go back and forth. Duke finally, late in the game, and overtime, takes control and wins this game. All-time classic game. When you hear names like Jay Williams and Tayshaun Prince, and you have Tubby Smith, and you have Coach K on the sideline, Peyton, you know it was a big game. In Madison Square Garden...
1: My lord, Coach K, you had Tayshawn Prince. He's not a prince. Oh, he's not a king. He's a prince. Long game, though. I don't give a shit. Same fucking, same, same, in, from same states, tobacco roads. Close enough, damn it. Um, Jay Williams, though, one of the best, all-time Duke guards. Uh, One of the top guards pretty much ever in college basketball history. Absolutely. Uh, elite. Um, I I didn't, know, what, what year was this again? 2001. That? Now, obviously I was like two years old on this, so I don't remember a damn thing about this game. But I do know those players though. And I do know those players were elites and uh, big time game. And hopefully next week, what or next week yeah, next week whenever we do this show, I'm curious what that day is gonna be. Um, who's gonna be on this day? Might have to start playing Edge of Steam Sun, because on this day, <laughs> I see clearly yeah. Um, You you know what,
0: I've enjoyed doing this segment, though. Just doing the research and looking at classic games that happen on this date when we record. I think it's a lot of fun, so I enjoy doing that. Peyton, before we get into the previews again, not the greatest slate because of Christmas this upcoming week. But I do want to ask you, and I was going to ask Phil as well, but since he's not on here. The most disappointing team, we're one month into the college basketball season, so I want to know. The most disappointing teams in college basketball through the first month, and then we'll—I'll ask you the most impressive teams that you've seen through the first month of college basketball.
1: Um, can I just name? Is there like a limit? Can I just name as many? No, as No, just want? whoever, whoever. Um, okay, I'll give two at to the top of my head. And they're close to. Uh, they're very close, and a lot of it comes a lot from our fan base and everything college basketball, and that's Indiana and Kentucky. Both of the teams, I think, has been extremely disappointing. I'll go with Kentucky first, since we just talked about them the most earlier. Um, Kentucky, offensively, there is no offense with them. Defensively, they're great. Uh, might even be elite in my eyes. Got um, a great defensive uh, team. Offensively, they, ju- they don't want any offense. They can't sh- hit shots. Um, I thought coming into this year with guys like uh, C.J. Frederick and Antonio Leaves, they'd be able to light it up from three they haven't they did it the first game in the season against I don't even know, kentucky state or whoever the hell it was um pretty much playing nobodies um but once they started playing the big teams like michigan state gonzaga ucla um they completely shied away uh jacob tovin I've been hearing all this uh, hurrah about him in the offseason, how he's improved. I have yet to see it besides that second half of the Gonzaga game where he played well. Um, Oscar Sheebrae's doing what Oscar Sheebrae thinks. We, we expect him to keep doing what he's doing. He's doing it. Uh, so no fault on him. But Coach Cal, he needs to get his shit together. I don't think he's going to. it's going to be another rough uh, outing for Kentucky in the tournament coming this year.
0: Before you say Nana real quick, I do want to agree because Kentucky was right there on the top of my list because – for all the things that you mentioned, plus I want to add that we mentioned it in the summer that these Kentucky teams in the past that got to go to a, an off, or an out-of-season like excursion like they do in the Bahamas, those teams normally come out firing and are really good to start the year. We've seen it before. And the fact also that Kentucky is older. We begged for how many years when we had all these freshmen. Man, we need older guys. We need guys to come back. The last couple of years, we've had older guys. And I don't want to say last year, regular season, we were, it was a lot of fun until the tournament. But you almost wonder if maybe, that, I don't know how to feel because the he's not doing as well with the older teams now. And, and of course, next year, we will have the freshmen coming in. So maybe next year we get back to, I don't know. It's so weird, but man, I am just super disappointed with Kentucky through the first month.
1: Here's the thing: If you're gonna go old, you need someone who's elite, and you don't have that. Uh, I don't know if Oscar Sheehy is elite. I think he's a great player. I don't think he's elite though. Like, you can't build a team without Oscar Sheaway in my eyes. No. Um, freshman wise, we're gonna go all freshmen. When's the last time Kentucky's had an elite freshman coming to the program? It's been. Uh, I don't well, even know.
0: Well, we had. If you see what he's doing in the NBA, we had one on the bench last year. He just never played.
1: Yeah, Shaden Sharp, but that's, we had yeah. Shaden Sharp. <laughs> I yeah. mean. I mean, Tyler uh, Hill was great, but I don't think Tyler Hill was elite. Uh, Malik, both Malik Monk and Deion Fox were great, but they weren't they, elite. Oh uh, no, I don't know. I,
0: I would say in college they were elite. They, those, Maybe those guard, those guard. Here's the thing that Kentucky's missing, and we haven't had in a little while. When's the last time Kentucky has had a guy like a Brandon Miller that is a proven go get you a bucket getter that will get, or a Kendrick Davis or name a player that hey you need a bucket. Give him the ball. Get the hell out of the way. De'Aaron Fox was that. Malik Monk was damn sure that. Uh, Ty's
1: Maxie was that, too, a little bit.
0: Maxie. Maybe Maxie was the last one. Hell, even Emmanuel Ooh, quickly turned into that.
1: Yeah, he um, started to show signs of it.
0: it. It's been a while. Next year, on the surface again, you think that DJ and Dillingham, you might have a couple guys. But right now, we haven't had a dude that can go get you a bucket, which you desperately need for this Kyle Perry offense. So...
1: And to move on to the other team I was talking about, IU. Uh, once again, same, bow as Kentucky. Defensively, I think they're great. I think they're close to being elite. Uh, they might even be elite, even though they gave up 80 points. Um, and back-to-back games against Arizona and Kansas. The last three or the last four games, they've won. Th- they lost three out of the four, and all three of them have been by like 14 points or more. Haven't been close. They've completely added this game, added these games from the get-go. Um, they don't start the games well at all. They're not a great team to start. When they're playing from behind, you know IU's in trouble because they're not good at playing from behind. Uh, they need to be up, or if they're down, they need to be down by a couple possessions where they're in striking range. Uh, they got embarrassed by Kansas. They got beat up by Arizona. They got upset by Rutgers. And I don't know if it's going to get any better because Xavier Johnson's out for any sort of extent with that injury. I haven't heard anything yet about the extent of the injury and what it is. Um if he's even out, that's going to hurt them immediately because now it's going to rely on heavily on the freshman of Shafino to really run the offense. And I don't think he's really capable of running the offense. He's more of not, a scorer.
0: Not yet. And I do want to say, we're only a month in. It doesn't mean Indiana or Kentucky or whoever can't get better as the year goes on. But a couple other disappointing teams. Peyton, we got to say North Carolina. We, we've got to.
1: Yeah, I thought we, about them. I thought we, about them for sure. We've
0: we, we got to say North Carolina. And you damn sure got to say Creighton. I mean, yeah. I, I convinced you guys in the, uh, our ECB magazine to have Creighton win in the Big East. And again, doesn't mean they can't. They're 0-1, but it's a long season. We're only a month in. Still got a couple more to go. But 6-6, six and six, and we're not to 2023 yet. That is not a good look for a Creighton team who looks so good out in Maui. Uh,
1: Villanova. Villanova, Villanova but, yep. uh, came one more's back, and I think he's playing well. I well, they're really kept playing up. better. they yeah, got, they're
0: what, three, they're, in, three wins in a row? Yeah, they're
1: starting to play better, but they were getting beat up, and they weren't getting you know they were playing well at the time. So I think they're up there. Another team, it's not really the team because the team's playing great, but coming up in a couple weeks or coming up, we'll see the rest of the season how they fucking do because they could be on this list for a completely different reason. That's Texas. Because if they're without Chris Beard, they're fucked. I don't give a shit. They got a talented roster, and I feel so bad for these kids because Marcus Carr is finally looking like the Marcus Carr that we've seen in Minnesota. Tyrese Hunter is playing his best ball uh, probably of his whole career. Um, And guys like Dylan Mitchell, five-star recruit coming in, has been balling out. Timmy Allen's been doing great. This Texas team is a great fucking team. But if they don't have Chris Beard, they can go out on the first weekend. They might go out in the first round like they did, I think, uh, maybe last year it was. They're in trouble. With this uh, whole Chris situation.
0: Completely agree, and I'm going to throw one more at you. Kind of off the beaten path, but I I've vouched for him to be potential preseason top 25, and we have him in the magazine top four in the SEC, and that's Texas A&M. They're six yeah. and four right now. They have I don't know if they've got a quality win yet. Um, it, they've beaten Louisiana Monroe, Albion Christian, Loyola Chicago is a good win. DePaul, SMU, and Oregon State. They've lost to Murray State, Colorado, Boise State, and Memphis. N- none of the four really bad losses, but this is not the Texanian team I thought that we would see so far. But let's talk about most impressive, and you got to start with Connecticut, Peyton. We mentioned them. They're number one in Ken Palm. They're per- they may be number one in the ECB Top 25 tomorrow. Unbeaten, 12-0, and won every game by double digits. I don't know if you get more impressive than the Connecticut right now.
1: No. Oh, another one of those disappointing teams, even though they just got a big win with Gonzaga. I forgot to mention them. Um, impressive teams, yeah. I mean, I got to probably a list of five here. I Connecticut's one of them. We'll go Connecticut, Purdue. Absolutely. Uh, Arizona. Absolutely. Um, I think Kansas has been extremely pressful so far this season. Um, and another team I was talking about, uh, Virginia. I think Virginia's been extremely impressive in how well they've played so far, even though they just got beat at home to Houston, but that's a Houston, it's a Houston squad that's Final Four contenders. So I think I, for impressive teams, I think they're at my five right now.
0: Yeah, and I've got a couple more. Um, I, I'm impressed with UCLA because I didn't know what to expect from them. They're 10-2. and two. We just mentioned the big wins this week. Impressed with them. I'm impressed with Kansas. Everybody thought they lost. You, the, the one loss is the Tennessee on a neutral site game where they didn't play their best. I'm impressed with Kansas and how well they have adapted to try to make another run at this. I'm impressed with a couple more SEC teams. Alabama, despite the loss yesterday, they've looked real good. Arkansas, we did not know how well they would gel with all the young talent, and they're 10-1. And, and their only loss came out in the Maui and a great game against Creighton. There's uh, a couple more. Memphis, Peyton. I know they're 9-3. But they've looked pretty damn good. How about another nine and three team? They're not setting the world on fire, but we've seen them in person. I think Marquette's doing pretty damn well to start the year off. They've looked impressive. They've looked pretty freaking good. I'm not going to lie. Miami's 11 and one. They've looked good. Um, what, so about, they,
1: what about Phil's boys, Illinois? Uh, Besides the fun. Penn State loss, I mean, they've looked impressive. No, they beat, think, they're one of the few team that they've fucking the only team that's beat Texas. Um
0: I I think we can put them
1: on there but and I, I think they're kind of where we expected them. is
0: my thing with them. I don't know if they've looked super the wins, yes. When when they beat um who was it? UCLA or Baylor? Whoever it was.
1: Baylor. Uh, Baylor, wait. No, it was UCLA. No, it was, yeah, yeah, UCLA. Right. When they
0: beat UCLA, that was a, they looked real good there. So I'm kind of still indifferent on Illinois, but I think they're good. So I'm not slighting them at all. Virginia and Tech, another team, 11-1, yeah. and one, looked really good. Hey, Mississippi State's unbeaten 11-0. I know they've not played nobody, but we expect them to kind of fall off the map hard, like yeah. hard. Uh, a couple more, Kansas State, brand-new head coach, Jerome Tang. You, you've got the great story with Keontae Johnson. They're 11-1. and They're only losses to Butler. So there's been a handful of. Hell, I'm even impressed with Duke right now.
1: Yeah, I'm slightly impressed with them. I said they got a lot more to go. We'll see how they play when the ACC gets into. uh, When the ACC starts to wrap up here in a couple of weeks. Or uh, gets uh, ramped up here in a couple of weeks. Um, Talking about Kansas, though, and how impressive they've looked, uh, something I forgot to mention. You mentioned the Tennessee loss, which is the only loss. If we put this in perspective, when we played Devil's Advocate, that was their third game in three days. And it's, oh, against, sure. a, it's a, against a against Rick Barnes team. that I mean, you never, you know, fatigue is definitely an issue in that game, and I think it was, but Tennessee was just better and flat out played uh, uh, outplayed Kansas in that game. But it was Kansas's third game in three days. Uh, so fatigue, I think it definitely was a little bit of a factor. But, I mean, there's a lot of impressive teams. I think there's more impressive teams uh, than it is more, like, disappointing teams so far yeah. throughout the season.
0: Yeah, and we'll revisit this halfway through the year. And everything could change by then. I mean, Connecticut could still be unbeaten. They could drop six in a row. You never know. But it's kind of one of those deals. Like we said, after week one, you don't want to overreact. But we do have a bigger sample size right now to start really gauging who these teams are. But and again, again, these teams again like North Carolina last year. They sucked throughout the regular season and they made a run in the tournament. So shit's going to change along along the way. Long season. But I figure I'd ask because I feel like it's an interesting question. Peyton, now that's all the way. Um, again, it's Christmas, man. Not a whole lot of games. I got four on tap this week. Today, actually, as we record on Sunday, I, I'm going to say it's like a 4 p.m. tip time. It's out on the West Coast. Number 19, Auburn, goes at USC. Thoughts on this one? Because I think this is a true pick here.
1: I think Auburn gets it done, and it's not because of the offense, because the offense is it? it's a fifty-first in offensive efficiency. Um, it's going to be because of the defense. He gets the job done. Um, I know it's on the it's at it's playing against USC out at USC. It's going to be a road game for them. But Auburn's defense is ranked fifteenth in adjusted offensively defensively, uh, defensive wise, the twentieth in offensive rebounding percentage. One thing that scares me, um, if this is a high-scoring game. Then USC will win this game because Auburn is shooting 28.3% from the three point line. If they don't hit shots, at least a couple shoot at least about 31, 32%, which still isn't great, but it's definitely better than 28%. Um, then I think USC gets their job done, but I think uh, Auburn's defense is going to hold true. And Auburn wins in the low scoring 67
0: to 61. Yeah, you you worry about Auburn's guards. Yeah, They can either be all American type or they can just look like junior college kids. And so I want to see how they uh, respond on the road in a tough environment. USC is going to have the size advantage on them more than likely. But I I do like Auburn's guards to play well enough. I want to see a big game out of Johnny Broom in this game. I want to see a guy like Katie Johnson or Alan Flanagan show up and show out because USC's got a really tough guard and Boogie Ellis on that team the former Duke and Memphis uh, transfer. I think this could be an ugly one. I'm not going to lie. I-, I think I could see a lot of missed shots, a defensive grind. Auburn's already played a couple of those this year. But I, I do think Auburn's backcourt has enough to go into USC and pull this game out. I'm going to say, again, ugly, like 57-55, Auburn wins. Did you give a score line on that?
1: Yeah, I said um, Auburn wins 67-62.
0: Okay. Then we go to Tuesday night. We got an ACC clash here. Number three, Virginia at number 23, Miami. We we kind of put Miami in an impressive list right now. Same with, with Virginia. Virginia's coming off the loss at home to Houston. They go to Miami, Peyton. Is there a chance that Miami holds home court and knocks the, the Virginia Cavaliers off for an upset?
1: I'm sorry to Gregory Hams, but the hurricane ain't coming through this time because the Cavaliers are going to roll through Miami pretty comfortably in this game. I like Isaiah Wong. I think he's a good player. But the big discrepancy is, is here is Virginia's offense is ranked 12th in offensive efficiency. Uh, Miami's is ranked 11th. That, that, you know, very close. Very close margin. Uh, Miami's defense is ranked 124th, 124th. Virginia's is ranked 27th. Not only that, but Virginia is shooting 38% from the three-point line. There's your difference maker. They're going to hit shots. You know, they didn't do it against Houston. I think that's a one-time thing is uh, credits of Houston's defense. Um, Miami doesn't have the same level of defense as Houston. It's not even close. So, Virginia gets the job done pretty comfortably. I think 76-64. to 64.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is more of an interesting game than what people are going to expect. I, I think it depends on if Reese Speakman is actually back to full health because i think that's a big difference because miami has the guard play to match them miami has won six in a row now with wins coming over a decent ucf team rutgers which should we know tough rutgers is they beat in louisville which is what it is they beat cornell in a crazy high scoring game and they beat north carolina state so some decent wins north carolina state's better than what people think they are as well right now uh, I'm wanting to say it depends on tempo early. If Virginia slows this thing down, Miami's in trouble. But if Miami can use their experience and athleticism to get on the open court, I don't know if Virginia can play from behind in a game like that. Uh, you mentioned Isaiah Wong. You forgot Nigel Pack, the Kansas State transfer. Norchad Chad six-seven sophomore, playing well right now. Anthony Walker. Uh, there's something about this Miami team at home. If this was in Virginia, I would say no shot. But since it's in Miami – I love Jim Nilaranega as a head coach. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't try to mix in some type of zone to confuse Virginia. I know you said they're shooting a three-ball well, but playing against the zone is different. Plus, they got our boyfriend, the Green Bay Packers. He's a freshman on the bench who barely plays. Uh, Christian Watson's out there, so who knows? He's 6'7", as well, which is weird because Christian Watson from the Packers is kind of big as well. But in all seriousness, though. I'm going Miami on the upset. There's something about home court that I value right now, and I think Miami can hit enough shots to frustrate Virginia and send them to two losses in a row.
1: I think it's very possible. I think it's really – Isaiah Wong, I think, has to have a good game. Uh, if he goes about 18-plus, I think uh, Virginia could be in trouble. But if he doesn't play well, and if he lets Kia Clark and Reese Weekman, who will be healthy in this game – um. If he lets those two guys just beat him up, then I think Miami's in trouble. I think Virginia revenges their loss uh, against Houston and gets the job done here. Can I tell you what I really hope happens? I hope it comes down to a buzzer
0: beater. And sophomore, 6'5 sophomore from Miami, Wooga Poplar hits the game winner. Poplar. I want to hear the announcers, whoever's on the call for that game, go, Wooga for the win! Wooga for the win! (laughs)
1: That's what I want.
0: That's funny. That's that's funny. Everywhere rocking everywhere instead of boot yeah, never mind. Only a certain people that my age will get that. But um on Wednesday night, Peyton, this should be a marquee game, but neither teams ranked currently. We got Michigan at North Carolina, but it's actually in Charlotte, North Carolina. But again, I mean it's Why? a home game. It, it's 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 a home game for North Carolina. Let, yeah, let's it is. It, it's not neutral, it's a home game since it's in Charlotte. Peyton, these are two teams that we thought would be top 25 pretty much all year. Both of them got a lot of talent to make runs when they get rolling. It's going to be an incredible down-low matchup between Hunter Dickinson and Armando Baycott. So whose style and tempo wins out? Both been very inconsistent, scoring the basketball and decision-making. So who's going to win out in this game?
1: Defensively, both of these teams have not been great. I'll just put it out there. Offensively, uh, UNC is ranked tenth, and offensive efficiency, Michigan's ranked twenty-third. Michigan's also ranked first in turnover uh, percentage. So they don't really, they take care of the ball. They don't really commit too many turnovers. Uh, ranked twentieth in still percentage as well. Um, North Carolina is shooting thirty percent from three. Michigan's shooting, you know, pretty average, uh, thirty-five point seven percent from three. Um, this is the game. No, last year this was North Carolina's best win until they beat Duke. This yeah. uh, this is this was North Carolina's best win when they beat up Michigan. I think it was at Michigan last year. I think it was the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Um, they went at Michigan and beat them up. And uh, before they beat Duke, that was their best win. That was the only good win they then had until they beat uh, Duke in the last game of the regular season. Um, I think they're going to beat them again. I think North Carolina is starting to figure some things out offensively. Uh, I still don't think their bench plays any great, and I don't think there's going to be great in this game. Uh, but I think Hunter Dickinson's probably going to have about 15 and 10. I think he's going to have a double-double. I think Armando Bacat will probably have a double-double as well. I think R.J. Davis is going to be the key, though, because I think he's going to have 20-plus in this game, and he's going to hit some threes. And I don't think anybody from Michigan is going to be able to stop him uh, from going off. And Caleb Love has to take care of the ball, though. If he Absolutely. has any, if he has, to, if he has any, if he has three turnovers or more, Michigan wins this game. Um, but if he takes care of the ball and keeps that under three turnovers, then I think North Carolina does come up with a victory, and they will. North Carolina yep. wins seventy-eight to seventy-one.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think North Carolina wins. I think they are trying to figure some stuff out again. You have to play through Baycott, which is going to be hard because Dickinson is bigger than he is. Yeah. by a couple inches, and it's going to be a fun battle. Look at the big game, big guys. We talked about it preseason. Big guy. This is the year of the big man, <laughs> and we've had some big-time clashes already, Baycott versus TJD. We've had Oscar versus Hunter Dickinson and Drew Timmy. I mean, we've had the clash of the big guys already this year, which is fun. I think Dickinson and Baycott neutralized each other. I, yeah. I, I'm with you. I think both go for double-doubles, like 20 and 12-type nights. But it will come to the backcourt. And I want to see if a guy like Jet Howard, who's been tremendous to start this year, Juwan's son, he's shooting 40% from three. He is averaging double figure scoring. He's by far their best scorer as far as just pure scoring the ball. If he can have a big game, like a 25, 30-point game, Michigan wins this game. I don't know if. North Carolina is going to allow this. And I'm with you. Both teams' defense aren't – neither one's been playing great. So, I'm going a high-scoring game. I think Carolina has just enough to win this game. I'm going to say North Carolina wins this game, 88-81. Um, entertaining game, but both teams desperately need a big-time marquee win because neither one has really been super impressive to start the year off with. No, no, no. The other big one this week, since it's kind of a lighter slate for Christmas, we got number 17, Illinois, at Missouri on Thursday night in a rivalry game, the Border Showdown. Peyton, the last time Missouri had a Border Showdown game, it didn't go in their favor. Hell home. no. Now you got Illinois rolling into town, and I think, honestly, I think it's going to be more of the same. I, I yeah. think Illinois is going to just run roughshod over them. This is one of those games I can see that TJ Shannon and – the, the guys, Dane Danger, and the guys like that are going to eat and feast on this Missouri defense. I get Illinois winning this pre-conference with like 75 – 52
1: or something i don't have a score margin but i do think that if illinois wins this game by 15 or more and i think this is a game coleman hawkins has a career high he might go for 20 plus in this game he might even get 30 in this game i just don't think illinois or missouri's front court's gonna be able to stop him from getting what he wants and day danger is obviously gonna be a beast down low as well but uh yeah illinois wins this game comfortably um, Missouri, you need to stop playing these damn border games at your place because you're going to keep getting embarrassed because it ain't going to get any better for you. You started off, to get, you started off the season 90, but you were playing teams like fucking SIU, Edwardsville, and fucking Bethune Cook, man, and Tyler Cook, and myself, and everyone else. Like You played nobody. So now you're getting your ass whipped again. So, yeah, I know. And,
0: and one of the most impressive freshmen this year on the defensive side, we talked about Dewan Harris um, over at Kansas. Payton, Sinc- or not Dewan Harris, I'm sorry. Dewan um... Oh, what's I just
1: need to discord. Fuck. Yeah, what's what's his name? I just went blank. Dewan uh, from Kansas. Oh, uh, Harris? Oh, uh, no, Grady Dick?
0: No, not Grady Dick. DeJuan, Wait, who'd your, you say? I not attention. Your point guard. Dewan Harris? DeWan Harris, thank you. The uh, other Harris, I could not think of his name. Sincere Harris from Illinois. Right there with him. It must be something about the last name Harris and being a defender. Yeah. I mean, he he's been tremendous. But yeah, I've got Illinois pretty big in this game. I just maybe Missouri can hang around and make things tight on Illinois, but I just I think Illinois got too much. I, I do. I think they got too much. Yeah. I agree. But that's pretty much it for the big games this week. Again, Christmas, it is a lighter slate. There actually nobody plays on Saturday, so there's gonna be a, a week off from the weekly pick'ems, but um Peyton, let's start wrapping this show up here. Like you mentioned, Argentina just scored, so let's see if they can hold on and get a World Cup here. Crowd's going crazy. Peyton, let's go into – so I've been wanting to do it last couple of weeks. I was wanting to do it today. Let's do it real quick. Let's rank the Power Six conferences from best to least in the Power Six. Mm-hmm. Let, let's rank them. I'm saying we know that it's very tight between the Big 12 and the SEC. I think from top to bottom, slightly right now, the Big 12 is a little better because their bottom teams are a little better than the SEC's bottom teams. Because South Carolina sucks; well, they they are no good. Because of that, I think I give the edge slightly to the Big 12. But I think the SEC is right there with them.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, the lowest team right now, I think, in Big 12 is Kansas State, and they ranked 53rd in Ken Bomb. So that's says all you need to be uh, Big 12. I said that last year and. Uh, Told you this year. Big 12 is the best conference in college basketball, and I don't know how you can argue against it. Top to bottom, I think they're the best. Yeah, and I think
0: SEC is number two.
1: Yeah. And SEC two, then, probably Big 10 three.
0: Big 10 three, and then probably the ACC because teams like Villanova and Creighton are not doing well in the Big
1: East. Yeah, I think it's tough. Um, I'd say the ACC or the Big East. ACC has not been as good as I thought. Uh, Virginia Tech's been well. You know, Virginia's obviously the class of the field. Duke's been okay. Duke's been solid, but North Carolina hasn't been the greatest. But so then you um, look
0: at, like North Carolina State's playing well. Miami's playing well.
1: Uh, Wake Forest is playing well.
0: Yeah, and I, so I think that gives them the edge over the Big East. Yeah, I'm fine with them being fourth. Like Georgetown and DePaul and a few of teams like that, they're just no good. Yeah. I'm and fine then with obviously it. the Pac 12, despite having Arizona and UCLA. I mean, Oregon's been disappointing. Washington's not been bad, but that's not enough to catapult them over a, another conference.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, their floor is really bad right now. So yeah. those are the power rankings as we sit here today. Peyton, let's go into the team of the week, mid-major team of the week. We mentioned UCLA. It's got to be team of the week. Going on the road, drubbing Maryland, a top 25 Maryland team on the road in their own building, and then beating Kentucky, Mass Square Garden. They've got to be team of the week. Yep.
1: Got to be. They got and, two great wins.
0: And then mid-major team of the week, we were thinking about this, talking about it, because it wasn't really one standout, but we went with North Texas. They're 9-2, two, sixty-second in Ken Bomb. They won four in a row. They went into, well, sort of, it was a semi away, but they beat Massachusetts yesterday handily, 62-44. The Mean Green look like a team poised to potentially make another NCAA tournament. So...
1: Yeah, they're relying a lot on their defense because they got a top 40 defense in the country, according to Ken Palm. So yeah, 38th. Yeah, so if they can continue that up, you know, got UTSA coming up here soon, Florida Atlantic, got Western Kentucky on January 5th. Got some interesting games coming up, and I think most of these games, they should be able to go into a little six-game winning streak here if it holds true.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with
1: you. Peyton, let's uh
0: pull up them bank on it. Pictures for those watching along live with us. As you can see, if you're watching along live on the YouTube, Twitter, or the Facebook, you can see the bank on it current to date. And I took another L this week. I had the SEC sweep, and none of the three SEC teams won yesterday. Uh,
1: they all lost.
0: <laughs> all of them. I, I mean, I'm the kiss of death when I hit those parlays, man. I'm two and four on the year. Where, where'd the oh, graphic go? I, I, I'm two on. and four. You're two and five, and Phil is one and six. Uh, he's not here to do this bank on it this week. So, Peyton, you and I are in the race of who gets. Three first, <laughs> so I'm gonna let you take it
1: oh god this is gonna be very boring cuz I there's don't have games. there's not a lot of games so I'm gonna do something that's never been done before and I wish I had went last but you know what fuck it it's gonna be funny anyways cuz Josh is gonna try to screw me now my bank on it is that whatever Josh's bank on it is it's gonna be the complete opposite
0: no no uh, really okay
1: so if you bank on Kentucky winning they're gonna lose so I'm just that whatever do you well. say it's gonna be the complete opposite
0: Okay, well, at least this will make it interesting. So I'm banking on it that in the ACC clash, I told you I already made the prediction. I'm going Miami upsets Virginia. Okay, on Tuesday night. Okay. So you're going Virginia over Miami. That's such a lame bank on it. Okay.
1: Okay. Fine. 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 fine, My God. Okay. Whatever. Lame my ass. Fucking hell. Uh, my bank on it is. uh, Let me see if I can come up with something. Um, you know, Louisville's got two wins in a row, they play, I think they play, got Liberty coming up soon, I don't know who, else. Lipscomb, I think that's who it is, they got coming up here soon, uh, but I'm not gonna bank on that, I've already done that, and I've already lost, been there, done that, hey, they've that won two in a
0: row, by the way.
1: I know, that's what I just said, they've won two in a row, yeah. LL's had a career night, 30-10 and 10 in the first game that they won, um, let's see, uh, bank on it, that's, I don't know, who does Purdue play this week, who the fuck did they play this week?
0: Uh, Let's they beat you know what? Uh, that's
1: okay. I'll just do this. A team inside the top five is going to lose. You know when what? the AP you're... poll comes out tomorrow, the team inside the top five is going to lose this week. Bank on it.
0: Well, I think you're putting a. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to work out well for you because I don't know too many of the top five teams play outside of maybe Virginia if they stay in the top five. And yeah, I don't know. I think you're asking for trouble on that one.
1: Oh, whatever. I don't really care. I'm already 2-5. What's 2-6 going to do? Uh,
0: okay, so you just give up on the bank on our, our one of our premier fucking segments. So Listen, okay. I'm historically bad at this. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I got Miami over Virginia bank on it. So let's go to shout-outs. Peyton, I'll let you start on this one.
1: Uh, call this a Homer episode because I'm being homer on this. I just talked about them. First shout-out, Louisville. Not only got a first one of the season... Uh, but he got a second win of the season. Uh, two wins in a row. Ellis, like I said, 30 points, 10 assists in the game against. I don't even remember who the hell we he played. It's been, uh, I don't even remember who the hell we played. In our first win. Oh, Western Kentucky. That's who it was. Yep. A little rivalry game. Beat them. Get our first win. He had 30 points, 10 assists. A career night for him. because he he played his ass off. So congrats to him. Um, and then we just beat uh, Florida Atlantic in a low scoring. I think it was like 57-53. Oh, Oh, come on, France. Um, so, shout out to Louisville. Listen, gotta take it game by game. I don't even think but we're close to we're a tournament team, but just gotta take it game by game. We got some winnable games besides the Kentucky game because that's not gonna happen. And if it does happen, I'm going to 4th Street down in Louisville and we're partying all damn long. And <laughs> when Coach Cal is fucking crying in his little bedroom with hey, his little t shirt, with his little stupid t shirt, like, oh, we got DJ Wagner. Yeah, fuck your recruiting class. Hey, you better not hey, lose yeah. that game.
0: I promise you, if we lose that game, I'll be on here the next episode and eating it like a man, unlike one of our uh, supposed co-hosts. Yeah. Loses.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, shout-out to Louisville. Um, shout-out to Kansas. Talking about Coy. No, he's an Indian fan. Once again, he's not here. Doesn't surprise me. Uh, Kansas. They're not. I don't think they're the hottest team in the country because I think Arizona is the hottest team in the country. No, Purdue's Connecticut, probably, Connecticut. Oh, Connecticut. Uh, but I think you no know, top five. The top five hottest teams in the country. Uh, they beat the shit out of Missouri at Missouri, and they just beat the shit out. They just embarrassed Indiana, in um, an Allen Fieldhouse. Kansas has got shit rolling. DeJuan Harris is one of the best four generals, one of the best point guards in the country. Uh, Grady Dick is I think the second best freshman in the country, and Jalen Wilson is still playing his ass off. I'm um, very impressed with how KJ Adams has played the past couple of games against Mizzou and Indiana. So we'll see how this goes. Hopefully, the rest of the season is setting up for another big year for us. Um, shout out to Kansas, and that's it. I only got two shots. Kansas and Louisville. I'm going Homer.
0: Might might as well shout out Mbappe, who just equalized here. It's three three in the World Cup final with the is that 108- a hat
1: trick for my boy.
0: Uh, let's go minutes so
1: he went to the same spot too on the left hat trick for mbappe let's go so,
0: real quick rounding this show out my shout outs i'm going brandon miller we talked about yeah. him phil's loved him i'm on board with him best freshman in the country he goes for 24 in the win over memphis midweek 36 the loss to gonzaga the dude is phenomenal right now phenomenal So, what, 60 points in two games? That's a 30-point game average from this last week. I'm going to go Kendrick Davis as well with a shout-out. 30 points in that loss to Alabama. But we mentioned maybe the best ISO guard in the country, Peyton. And basically, that's it. Uh, There was a lot of big-time performances. Donovan Klingin, uh, Dama Sonogo. But I'm going to go with those two guys. We'll stay with the stars of the show. But Peyton wrapping up episode 126. For everybody following along live with us today on the YouTube and the Twitter, we appreciate you. The World Cup looks like it's going to the finale. is going to go to a penalty shootout, which is high drama there. For episode 127, we got to figure out our our start time since next Sunday is Christmas. It won't be on Sunday. It'll probably be before that or a day later. So keep in tune. We'll let you know on episode 127. Also joining us. We will have Brian Ralph of Heat Check College Basketball, big-time guest coming on. Can't wait to pick his brain for a little segment there, so that'll be a lot of fun. Not a lot of great games this week. It is Christmas, so hopefully during this holiday season, whether you're working or off for the week, like I'll be able to be. um, Try to watch the games if you can, but more importantly, spend time with the people that matter the most to you, whether it's family, friends, or whoever. Enjoy the holidays. We thank you for listening and watching uh, episode 126 of Everything College Basketball Podcast. But until episode 127, we hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Get ready for the holidays, and we will catch you down the road. See you guys.